All right, guys, it's time to talk about our second tier of free agents. In our first episode, we talked about our top six guys, and they're the beginning of the dominoes. And now it's time to talk about guys that are going to be equally as important in a way to championship um, mixes. If we see recent history, uh, we've got a lot of big decisions. These are these are guys that might be overpaid that uh, are going to have several different locations. Uh, these are guys that are going to have maybe several different possible destinations just because the top six guys we've talked about before they're going to uh, kind of dictate a lot in, in the beginning. Yeah, this is kind of the mid-tier of free agents, the guys that are fringe all-stars, I would say, where they have a good year like D'Angelo Russell or Chris Middleton in a lesser conference like the East. But they're, they're not quite in that upper tier where you just rank all the players and you say, yeah, this guy is a top 25 guy. He might be just outside that. And he's... And, a lot of these guys that we're going to talk about this episode are probably going to get the max or very close to it. Right. And that's just because the scarcity of these players, they, they're not, they don't provide the same value that a Jimmy Butler or a Kemba Walker does. But there's not, there's not many of these guys as well. And there's only, and there's 30 teams. So if a team can get them, you have to overpay a bit to get them. Right. We'll start with Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris, obviously surprisingly been in the league. A long while. I remember when he played at Tennessee. You remember when he played for Orlando. Good, solid player. Let's start with what are the possibilities for Tobias Harris, the destinations? Well, obviously, he can return to Philly. And that kind of, and he, he can return even if they bring back Butler. But then it really becomes their big four and then a bunch of role guys. And obviously, we can't really tell how how good his fit is on this Philly team because he only played after the trade deadline and their core wasn't always healthy and Bede missed a good bit of time. So Philly is probably the most immediate option. The Knicks have two max slots and it seems like now the Kyrie and Durant rumor that we heard all season is probably not going to happen. Their free agency potential isn't near what we thought it was. And they're they might be desperate enough to just get a guy who's close to a star. You're talking about Kyrie, who, like the Nets, if if they um, if they miss out on KD, or you're talking about the Knicks just just getting Tobias Harris. I'm, I think the Nets are much more judicious about their cap mm-hmm. space because if you get Kyrie, I think I would rather kind of fill out my roster with role players shore up holes. With the Knicks, they don't have anyone. And it looks like they're not going to get anyone major in free agency. And they're just going to pass and keep and sort of tank is what they should do instead of do like, man. Now, Tobias Harris might be different because he's really good, but in years past, we've seen them just take injured guys or has been guys or make give a max to a guy who isn't a max guy. Tobias Harris isn't necessarily that guy, but I really do think they're just going to, if nothing goes, they're just going to pass and wait for another year and just try to build it, build it the old fashioned way, right? I think so, but the only question is, right now the free agents for next year don't look nearly as good as this. And yeah, so, I don't mean for next year. I just mean down the road. Yeah. They're going to try to, like, 76ers it, I think, in a way. They're just going to be bad and build. I, I really do think they're going to land a big guy or they're going to move on. Now, they could prove me wrong. That's not how they've done the last two decades, but I really do think 
they're not going to panic like they in doing a Amari Stoudemire type thing like they have always done. Yeah, I mean he he could return to the Clippers on a short on a short term deal. I've heard that too. Do you think that's possible though? I, I don't know. I I could see him maybe if they if the Lakers strike out on Jimmy and Kyrie, then maybe he's the third guy. I could see that. How, the fit might be interesting there, but I, I could see that. But I don't see him going back to L.A. for some reason, to the Clippers anyway. I, I really think it's just that the Clippers obviously want to keep open their max slots for these superstars that come up, and Harris definitely isn't one of them. Right. But maybe he wants to come back on a one-year deal. Maybe they it's one of those things where they overpay a bit just for a one-year deal because they need to spend money. And obviously this team won 48 games after they traded him. They got back... Yeah, a lot more role players. Right, and so it's really, and if they could do that, it, they essentially traded away half a season of Tobias Harris, got back assets, and then got still, back. Yeah. still had a nice playoff push, and then get some back. Then they get him back anyway. It could happen, but like you said, it would have to be short term because I think they're going to keep their flexibility, even if they struck out for Kawhi uh, this offseason. I think they're they're going to keep their flexibility. Um, I see Harris going back to Philly, and I think Jimmy is probably going to leave, and so he'll be the third fiddle there. And I think that I think that'll be a pretty good fit. Uh, if not, I could see him maybe going to the Nets or Knicks, like you said. Is there any wild cards for Tobias Harris? Uh, not not really. I don't think so. It's just his value is really in the scoring as more of a pure power forward, and the teams that could afford him, not many of them have a need for that kind of player because. It's not it's not too hard nowadays to find scores out there. It's just because more and more guys are coming in and they've grown up being the scorer. Well, let's talk about a guy in the catbird seat as to say he's going to get a lot of money and he's forced the hand of uh, of his current team or they have themselves. Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton's going to get max, isn't he? He's going to have to. Yeah, they have to if they want to bring him back because four years ago when he resigned or extended with them, he didn't sign for as much as he could have, and now he's an all-star level player, at least in the East. And so if they don't give him the five for 190, then he's probably going to walk for somewhere else. And then that hurts That hurts your roster because yeah. it's not like you can just throw that $30 million and yeah. keep all your other guys, and then your roster and your potential to win around Giannis is diminished. Even if they lose him, they don't have a, a lot of flexibility to go get somebody else, so they're kind of forced – do everything they can to keep Brogdon, everything they can to keep Middleton. They, I like Bledsoe. He played well, but extending him early, the timing wasn't good on that. It's kind of hamstrung them. And so well, they're sort of going to be locked in and just pray that everybody stays healthy and everybody continues to develop because uh, it's going to have to for them to keep you honest. Yeah, I think so. And with the Bledsoe thing, when they extended at the time, I thought it was a really good deal because he was balling out. He was a fringe all-star level player. And for the amount they got him for, it wasn't really that much when when he was playing really well. He was fitting in the system. And then for the second year in a row, he just vanished in the playoffs. And now they've got him for four more years. Yeah, wow. Uh, So Middleton is a good fit. He's a really good player. They couldn't replace him if he leaves. But in case he wants to go somewhere else or something falls apart there, what, what other possibilities are there for Middleton? What other teams? I think, well, since we talk about the Lakers so much, I feel like we should just have an understanding that any max-level free agent they're going to be interested in to make a big three. 
And he fits, obviously. He's a scorer. He's more of a perimeter guy. He fits with the Lakers. Obviously, the Knicks or the Nets. Really, just any team with a max slot that could use a scoring wing, he's a good fit in. Do you have a prediction if he doesn't stay with Milwaukee with most likely landing spot for him? Who, who's Milwaukee competing against uh, most in the biggest way? I think they're really just competing against the salary cap because they've built this roster. They've set it all up. It's just, at least for this coming offseason, just three of their four most important guys all hit free agency at the same time. Right. So it's really just how much are they willing to pay. It's not, oh, this other team, Milton is really wooed by its can we afford him? Yeah. It's all about Giannis, and it's all about keeping that team uh, healthy. They, they put themselves in a position where this is kind of the only play they have. Let's talk about Al Horford. What an interesting, surprising piece to free agency. You asked me two weeks ago, uh, he's he's not going to opt in, but he's going to come to an understanding. It seemed like he was almost part of the front office or coaching staff uh, in Boston. He was just so embedded there, but... I think obviously what's happened through back channels, his agent, someone, a team has told his agent, look, we're going to offer this guy. You hear the specific, the Woj number, um, 4-1-12. A lot of money for a 33-year-old guy. Obviously, if you're a real basketball fan, you've watched him play, you know what a just like a super role player he is. He's just uh, so valuable uh, to, you know, to a team. He does a lot beyond the, what, 13.8. Six and a half rebounds uh, that's on the stat sheet. He's not a box score guy. He's not, but he's a terrific player, and he's aged pretty well his game. You see him slowing down a little, but uh, he's still, man, the, his major asset is his really high basketball IQ. So he's played in a lot of playoff games, been on a lot of good teams, and I think that means a lot to some of these teams. So obviously he just suddenly over the last couple of weeks came out of Boston's price range. Somebody came to him and said, look, you're going to get offered this by Bill in the blank. We have some guesses, and Boston said, look, I, I mean, we can't do that. They were thinking more along the lines of extending three more years, maybe 25 at, at the max, so it was like 375. I'm sure, as a guess, that's kind of what their limit was, right? They don't have any bad contracts for a reason, right? Yeah, it's so, just that other teams want to outspend them. Other teams really want him, and uh, they feel like he's that missing piece in their development or to compete. We'll see. Um who, who are these mystery teams? Everybody thinks it's Dallas or Sacramento, Sacramento or New Orleans. Let's talk about them. And then what, what other teams are, are in the mix? Who, who's offered in this $28 million, uh year for four years? Well, Dallas is certainly the favorite. And obviously this goes back to what we say about tampering, where it look, he left because he knows someone's giving him the max. Oh, no question. And it's leaked out that this one, it really looks like Dallas is the, lead, the leader to get him. And I think as far as his fit goes in Dallas, it makes a lot of sense. Obviously, you've got Doncic, and you likely are bringing, you better bring Porzingis back. Obviously, Porzingis is probably going to be a little hampered, more so by rust than injury, just because he's been out for over 20 months or so when he, when it's game one. And, and a Porzingis out Warford backcourt, I mean front, I mean front court. That has the potential to be a very good defensive do as well as providing the floor spacing you need on offense now. And then obviously you've still got Luka Doncic, who we think is going to be even better in year two. So he makes a lot of sense for them. He's been linked to them. 
as much as you can. But recently, actually about an hour or so before we're recording this, news came out that the Pelicans are really interested in Horford as well. Obviously, with the, with them moving Solomon Hill, they opened up the cap space to be able to pay Horford the four for one twelve deal. So, how do you think? Was that something you would do? New Orleans could pull off being kind of bad uh, for the next two seasons, and their fan base and the NBA would understand. They could collect more assets. They could use the cap space they have to take back some bad contracts. They could go that route. Sounds like they want to be a playoff team. And uh, you, first of all, is that going to hurt their long-term um, ceiling? Because for me, they're they're kind of locking themselves in in a way if they do that to a certain extent. And for me, I don't know if that second and third best player that you need for a championship is on this team already. I really don't know. If I were them, I would keep collecting assets. But Horford is them saying, hey, we're going to keep Holiday. We're going to have Horford. We think Zion's going to be a really good NBA player right away. We want to we want to make the playoffs. That's that, that's what that says, right? And is that the way you would run the team? I think so. It says they want to contend. And obviously, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, Zion, and Horford looks to be a really good starting lineup in terms of defense, probably top five, depending on how you believe Zion will project into the NBA. Obviously, the spacing is a concern. And I think I'm actually split between wanting to contend now and signing a guy like Horford and tanking or just sucking immediately because obviously getting the assets. Not about tanking, but I'm just saying about, you know. Not not investing and competing. Kind of growing into it and, and having a few more years of, you know, some uh, decent draft picks and doing that whole thing. You made a good point earlier before the show about, um, you know, they pay Horford for four years, he comes off the books, and then they get serious about re-signing, you know, Zion and other guys. So maybe it's just, maybe not a total all-in, it's just they're just going to spend this money practically. Maybe they really believe in Horford's ability to, he's the perfect uh, front court player to, to help develop Zion. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously Horford is an underrated defender because, he doesn't get a ton of blocks and steals, but his impact has always been there, especially when playing the Bucks for the past two seasons. He's always given Giannis a lot of trouble. And it's not just because of the system, it's because of his old man strength, his basketball IQ. And defensively, he fits with Zion. Zion's just really missing the size and the length, which Horford has. And Zion has the athleticism that Horford doesn't really have now that he's a lot older. And Horford isn't an elite three-point shooter. He's not Brook Lopez among centers, but he's a he's a decent outside shooter when he's open. That's really all you want out of your center. Just he can hit open threes if you want him to. So how good could Dallas be if that's where Horford winds up? I guess I, I question their depth a little bit. And I wonder, yeah, let's say Porzingis comes back and he's – at least 90% of what he was. I mean, what what seed could they get in the West? Uh, and I, I don't know. I don't know if I see Horford to, to either one of these teams, but uh, I just think their timeline, maybe they think their timeline's a lot quicker than I do. I think the, the Mavs, if they get Horford, would, they, they're sitting with cap out around a sixth seed because Don Sitch was awesome this rookie year, and he really didn't have anyone else. J.J. Barea got hurt. Obviously, Dirk is really old, and it's just a bunch of guys who are role players or guys who just aren't that good. 
then you're adding Porzingis and Horford, as well as free agent role players that fit as what well, and your current role players now Which take a lesser role. I think they can be uh they'd be a lower half playoff team, but still if you're the sixth or the seventh seed in the West in a really stacked West and Doncic is only a sophomore, then you're doing pretty good. It's fair. What is New Orleans ceiling if they get him seed wise in the West? I think their ceiling would probably be This is next year of course, yeah. just next year. I think in the seven to nine range in terms of playoffs seating just right on the cusp like the Kings were because obviously I think they're going to be an elite defensive team if they get Horford but the shooting isn't there and shooting is really important to the game as much as and how good we think Zion is going to be year one he's still a rookie he's not going to be an all-star all-NBA level player to boost him to the playoffs but they still have a lot but obviously they lost Anthony Davis but they still have a good bit of their of the roster that got them to the playoffs last two years ago. They must think it's higher than the seventh. They must think they could compete for the fifth seed or something because why do it if it's seventh seed? Just, you know, there are going to be a lot of worse teams next year than them, So, but they still could look at the, you know, 10th or 11th pick. They could uh, take on salaries and get further assets. Uh, that's what I question. But maybe they feel like they've got who they need moving forward and lock it in and just try to get try to develop immediately. I, I don't really see that. Well, at least over the past couple of seasons, there's always been one or two teams in the West that are a lot better than we think or or a lot worse. So the seating shifts around. Some teams drop out. Some, got, some teams go way up like Denver this year. So trying to project how the West is going to shake out this early isn't – isn't going to be very accurate just because we've seen that outside of the outside of the mainstays of the playoffs, things shift around a lot. That's a fair point, for sure. I think the team that I think is going to wind up with Horford is Sacramento Kings, and uh, that this is a move I could see them making. Um, they got bailed out by Harrison Barnes opting out, I think, and they're just going to use that money on 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 Horford, and I think he will make them better in the short term. But um, long-term, I think they could have more flexibility like these other two teams. But what would the fit for Sacramento, with Sacramento and Horford be, and what would that make their ceiling for, for next year? Because you look at them on paper now, and wow, they, they look like they could make a move. Well, the fit makes a lot of sense because I believe in Marvin Bagley as a four, and it looks like they want Harry Giles as a backup five. So Horford can slot in right away starting five. They don't have to shift a star to the bench. He's got He's a great defender. Like we said so many times, he can cover up for Marvin Bagley. And they've got plenty of offense and shooters. And they were, right until Marvin Bagley got hurt, they were making a playoff push. They likely would have been the 8 or 7 seed of the Spurs or the Clippers. So you're pretty much taking the same team. Darren Fox enters year three now. Marvin Bagley enters year two. he'll, He'll be healthy and more ready. I think they can, they're definitely in the second tier of contenders in the West behind, like maybe the maybe the Lakers, the Rockets, Denver. What's their ceiling as a seed, do you think? I know, like you said, a lot of things can happen, but just sort of academically, what's the highest they could do next year with Horford? I think if you think most most things go, I think 
around the force could be possible. Wow, that'd be a long way from from that in Sacramento. But like you said, they were making their move before injuries last year. It's just hard for I think us as NBA fans to imagine them not getting their own way. But I just think they've been bad enough, long enough, and they've hit on enough picks that I think they're moving in the right direction. Do you think Horford for them would be smart? I think so because I, I, he'll he his deal would still be around when they have to extend De'Aaron Fox and Heald and Bogdanovich. But right now, they can front-load it so it's less later on. And they don't really have any major contracts right now. They don't have any big-time players that they're already paying. And they need this veteran, this higher-paid guy to come in and give them some maturity on the roster, take them further, give them valuable experience. Fair. Nikola Vucevic. Now, you're a, you're a big Magic fan. Landon, I know you've thought a lot about this. I've seen you kind of go back and forth. He had a career year for them. Offensively, he's an excellent uh, center. He, he's not your modern, ideal NBA big man. He's not a rim runner. He's not he's not a defensive guy. But he, he can – I mean, the guy can score from pretty much anywhere on the court. He's an excellent shooter. What – you've heard some, some stuff on the Twitterverse, right? Uh, you think he's going back to Orlando? Yeah, it looks like it looks like they're planning to offer him four years, ninety million, which is about twenty two point five per year. Mm-hmm. And I think they would do it like they've done Aaron Gordon's contract, where they front load it, right? And it's less down the line, right? And for an all star level player, a guy who can be the lead offensive option on a playoff team, twenty two and a half million isn't bad. I think just the perception of him is clouded because in his first playoff series in the Magic's first playoff series in a long time. He was terrible. He had a 47% true shooting percentage. They lost in five games. But he did run to the Raptors, the champions, yeah. with maybe the best, with one of the best, if not the best, defensive big men rotations of Gasol and Ibaka. Yeah, what what center looked great against Toronto uh, in the playoffs? Nobody, right? Yeah. And also, it's important to note that this Magic team is still really young and doesn't have much offense. Obviously, DJ Augustine had a solid series, especially in Game 1. Aaron Gordon did well for a young guy. But everyone else, Evan Fournier was cold. Isaac is still really young. And and Terrence Ross wasn't quite the third best six-man of the year like we thought he was. So it was really just focus on Vucevic and don't worry about anyone else. So do you think behind the scenes – they realized they weren't getting D'Angelo Russell and they weren't weren't going to be a player for Malcolm Brogdon, that he wasn't going to sign that. They found out through back channels, and so they thought, let's be smart. We'll bring back this player, but like they did on Gordon, they brought they brought back somebody without max dollars, and so they have some flexibility down the road. So that they sort of just settled on this, I think, right? Yeah. that That's what it looks like because I feel Russell or Brogdon – I would prefer paying over Vucevic the same amount. Like twenty-two and a half, I'd give to both of them before Vucevic. But 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 even restricted, they'd still have to yeah. sign. And I guess they found out that they weren't going to do that, right? Yeah. So he's their third best option, and I think they took it. And it seems obviously well. Markel Fultz is going to play in the summer league, so his his interesting story gets another chapter. We still don't know when he'll be back for basketball. But from what I've gathered, that the front office is still high on him. They feel like he's recovering. He's getting back into basketball shape. He's starting to come back from his shoulder injury. 
DJ Augustine is a solid, okay point guard. Terrence Ross, if we bring him back, is still really good. And Evan Fournier is on the books for three more years at $17 million, so cool. maybe it's just not the proper allocation of the salary cap to get another guard. So they're basically going to run it back. Obviously, Fultz is a big-time wild card. How good can this team that was the seventh seed this past season, how good can they be in these next year? I think they'll be around the same, like, six, seven seed range because if we think Fultz is going to be good when he comes He'll be okay when he comes back. I think when he hits his stride, he'll be a bit. He'll be better than what Michael Carter Williams was for us. That tells you a lot about the point guard situation, where Carter Williams can be picked off off the streets and be good for us. And obviously Mo Bamba, who we didn't, who we did not have returned for the playoffs because we want to keep our chemistry going. In year two, hopefully he's a good backup. So around the same, just because I don't see this Magic team having the star power to kind of jump into the next tier of the Indianas and the Bostons. Right, fair. So it's D'Angelo Russell time. I've heard a lot, just natural comparisons between he and Kyrie uh, for obvious reasons. Um, I want everyone to know, D'Angelo Russell is not as good of a player as Kyrie Irving. Nobody wants Kyrie Irving on their team, and I get that, as fans. Uh, D'Angelo Russell has improved a lot. But in the big moments against uh, kind of best competition, I thought he still looked a, a little lost. I think he's got a pretty good future in the NBA. This is no, He's no better than a third player on a championship contender to me. Um, and he's going to get good money. Where is he going to wind up, and what kind of money is he going to get, and where are all the possibilities for him? Because I feel like there's several for him, and there's even some trade possibilities like Minnesota and all that. Where, where do you think he ends up, and where, who all's in play? Well, unless somehow Kyrie doesn't go to Brooklyn, it looks like they'll just renounce Russell's cap holding and just be a free agent because Russell and Kyrie don't really fit together. No. Along with Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. So there's obviously the Lakers, again, shocker. Phoenix has the cap room. Obviously, they definitely have a need at point guard, which he can play, but a Russell-Devin Booker backcourt is atrocious defensively. Then the next, and then probably the third likeliest team is Minnesota. Now they're in talks, that, and there's news that they believe they can trade Andrew Wiggins' contract somehow. And if they can somehow do that, they, they have the room to sign Russell outright to his max. Obviously, he fits well with Carl Anthony Towns. It's just, how are they going to move Wiggins' contract exactly? If Wiggins gets moved next week, and it might happen, I think your head's going to explode because somebody's going to have to take a huge chance on him or use that to get out of something really dumb, and and it's going to be amazing. But I don't expect it, but it could happen. And that, that would be, like you said, amazing if somebody is going to allow them uh, to get Russell by. We're obviously not high on Wiggins, but, I mean, there is a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, no one's really untradeable. It's just... He's got three more years, I believe. He's getting max money. He's an inefficient scorer. He doesn't really play defense. He doesn't have a lot of playmaking. He's just a disappointing player because physically, we thought he could be like the next LeBron coming out of college, and he just never even got close to his potential mentally. Physically, he's awesome. It's just all he provides now is inefficient mid-range based scoring and we don't, no one in the NBA needs that anymore. 
Fair. So, bottom line, Russell could end up where? Phoenix, the Lakers, or Minnesota. Or back in Brooklyn. Or or Brooklyn if Kyrie doesn't come. Right. Anywhere else you think? Any wild cards for him? No, I think so. That's kind of the... It's more like teams with max slot that could use a point guard. Because there's, there's over $550 million bucks out there um, this year. And there's we've only talked about 10 guys. So there's a lot more money out there. Russell is one of those guys. Somebody's going to get desperate. And I think a team maybe we're not thinking of going to wind up with them. But those would definitely be the, the four leaders, right? Here's a guy I like a tad better than Russell, Malcolm Brogdon. He's not the athlete Russell is, but uh, he is one of the most efficient guards in the NBA. And he obviously he he had playing with Giannis going for him. He's a mature guy, not an amazing athlete, got good size for the position, really smart, great teammate. These intangibles are going to get him paid in a big way. Where do you see him if he doesn't re-sign with Milwaukee? Milwaukee's going to match, though, right? That's why I've been doing all this jockeying and uh, giving away the 30th pick and all that because they're locked in on Brogdon, right? I'd rather have Brogdon than Middleton, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, I'd also want him because Brogdon is cheaper. And while Middleton certainly gives you the scoring and the go-to guy if Giannis isn't doing his thing, I feel like Brogdon has a more valuable role and his part yeah, to play on this team is more important because he's a good multi-positional defender. He's an elite shooter. He's really efficient. And he's just a low-usage guy on a team with the MVP. With the MVP. That's what you need because Milton, I think, is at his best with the ball in his hands. And as, we saw, as we've seen the past two years when he put, we played the Celtics in the playoffs, he can be really good. It's just... It's hard for him to be really good because Giannis is also on the floor with him. Fair. That's fair. So I think Brogdon's going to wind up in Milwaukee, but if yeah. he didn't, L.A., I think the Lakers, we've mentioned them for everybody because we don't know, but I think there's a lot of teams, Phoenix, a lot of teams that would love him. I know the Orlando Magic, I think if they had a, thought they had a shot with him, I don't think they'd be signing Vooch. Yeah, but it's just really hard because I'm sure most of these teams think or know there's no way – Brogdon doesn't come back because they have his bird rights and go over the cap. And they and the, unless they feel like Brogdon is more a product of the system, and they can find a replacement close to what he can do, or right. they can shore it up with cheaper guys, there's no reason for them not to give him up. Brogdon is going to be the end of our kind of um, pre All Star level there. Guys, that's a lot of important pieces there. That's going to have some championship implications. We'll be back with our third episode, and that'll be everybody else.